1: Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is.
0: Yeah, Rick, Rick loves
1: him. Yeah, Rick loves him. Um, you know, analytics is a tool, Um He likes to use it because it's a good buzzword for him. Um, (laughs) You know, for me, tendencies about the other team and things like that, when we look at tendencies, we could say they're analytics, but um, I have a hard time someone telling me to go for it on fourth and five when you're up by two scores and they don't know the team that they're playing against. And if you do go for it and you don't get it, they don't get fired, I do. Mike Zimmer there from the NFL Combine. I'd just like to point out that you are just as likely to be fired if you make the wrong decisions that don't match up with the numbers as well. And uh, I tried to find this situation that Zimmer was talking about, and I did, and he had some details a little bit off Um just the score and things like that. So Zimmer versus the analytics department seems to be a thing that is happening at TCO Performance Center as we got a a window into it there from his comments at the NFL Combine. Judd Zolgad in for our number two and I wanted to talk a little about Zimmer. I know there's Dan Graziano's piece where he mentions that it's likely that Cousin signs an extension, but it wasn't really a hard report that he will be signing it sometime soon. More of just just here's what the buzz is. And Courtney and I came away from those sessions with Rick and Mike feeling exactly the same way. That at this point, it would be a surprise if they don't extend Kirk Cousins. Now, that brings us to what does it mean for Mike Zimmer and what does it mean for this offseason? Because if if I presented this to you, Judd, let's say that you were the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And right. I came to you and I said, look, the last eight teams or so to make the Super Bowl, ranked in the top five in points. Okay? That's the NFL today. So here's what we're going to do. In the first round, we're picking the best damn left tackle. And in the second round, we're picking a wide receiver. And we're going to have Thielen and Diggs and some other guy. And they're going to catch a lot of footballs, and we're not running 50% of the time. We're throwing a lot, and that's how we're going to win, Mike, okay? Because that's how we're spending our draft picks. Now, if I said that to you, though, let's say I said that and we replaced Mike with Judd. Yeah. Judd, that's what the numbers say. That's what we're going to do in the draft. How does Judd feel about that?
0: Does this give Judd the best chance to have uh, success and therefore be given a long-term contract? Is that what my my very capable analyst department going to tell me
1: that's what they would tell you is with defense if you rank 10th in defense yeah. you've probably then got Then you know a good what Judd shot. says but if you don't rank in the top 5 in offense your chances are pretty low of being in the Super Bowl
0: Then Judd says I might be getting old and surly but I'm not there yet and there <laughs> and therefore I'm on board with what you guys if you guys can prove to me this is the this is the strategy and game theory to get me a
1: contract extension, and most importantly, to get into the playoffs, I'm on board. So that's what Coach Zolgad says. What do you think Coach Zimmer says if they come to him and say, Mike, we're drafting a left tackle, and we're adding another receiver, and just in case this digs thing eventually gets bad, we want to have another guy to step in? But even then, the lack of a number 3 option that's dangerous has hurt them. Thielen gets hurt last year, and they were able to fill it in in part because they had a very easy schedule for some portions of that, but it also hurt them in in other games where they did not have that other option who could be a game breaker. And when you looked at some other teams like even San Francisco, they went out and added Emmanuel Sanders. You look at Kansas City, they have the best quarterback in the world, but they also have multiple good players at the the weapon positions. They don't just have Kelsey and Tyree Kill. They have Sammy Watkins. So when you took away the first two, there was another guy who was a game-breaker. And as much as I like Irv Smith... I'm not sure yet he's a game-breaker like someone like Sammy Watkins has the capability to be. I think you need three, four, five weapons and a good offensive line if you want to be one of the five best offenses in the league. Um, But I'm not sure that if you told Mike Zimmer that, he would be on board considering there's a lot of needs on that defensive side.
0: If I'm Mike, I've got another offensive question for you then, too. If we're going to draft a wide receiver and throw the ball a lot, are we re-signing Dalvin Cook to the extension he wants? Probably not. Well, I don't know. So, because this is going to be, I do think offensively, if you were to ask, if you were to fill Zim full of truth serum and say, give me your thoughts on the offense, I think he's going to tell you Dalvin Cook is massively important. Yeah, to
1: me. no, he probably is. And I got the sense from Rick Spielman that they want Dalvin Cook back and they want to maintain the core. Let me take that back. I'll say yes, because if the whole thing is, look, we're going all in on Kirk, and we're going all in on offense, then you have to make sure you bring back Dalvin Cook. And that also is going to, maybe not in year one, but down the road, cut into what you could do with the salary cap. It might hurt you long-term if he doesn't continue to play at a high level. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's too much fear of a fall-off. If he was 27, I would say, oh my gosh, no, do not do that. 27 through 30 is a disaster for running backs. But he's going to be 25. So 25 through 28 is usually still pretty good outside of some maybe recent examples. But generally, 24, 25 through 28, guys are still at their prime at the running back position. So even if you overpaid according to the numbers, you would still have a very likely great player in the backfield who, ironically, does not have a ton of mileage compared to other running backs his age because of some of the injuries. Because he's had trouble staying healthy. Right, and ACL Which I'm takes sure the whole year. Yeah. And it should be a concern, but it also is, hey, maybe he can maintain a high level of play for a little longer than some of these other guys. But if you're pushing all the chips to the middle of the offensive table, you have to have Delvin Cook back. And you could sell Zimmer on that, but if you said, look, Delvin's biggest impact is in the passing game. It's not in the running game. Right. So we need to split carries with him and Alexander Madison, throw to him a lot, make it more of a 60-40 split, which is average in the NFL now, basically. And that's the way we could get ourselves to a top five offense, which is where everyone who goes to the Super Bowl these days seems to be.
0: So I think where you're going to lose, Mike, in in the conversation that we're trying to have right now is if you're telling me that you're going to draft a left tackle in the first round, a receiver in the second round, and now you're probably going to also tell me that I'm going to lose uh, quite a few of my defensive guys who I developed and absolutely love because he does, I think he's going to say, what's in this for me? Right, and at that point in time, here's my other theory too, and, and I think that this happened the day that Kirk signed, and I've grown to believe it probably is accurate. It was almost as if Mike looked at Rick and Company and said, "You can do this," and he's your quarterback, and I get that, but the next like two years are mine. Then, <laughs> yeah, I, seriously, yeah. we're like going to bring guys Anthony back on Barr, defense. Sheldon Richardson, Sheldon those are Richardson signings. Yep. was like it was like taking Mike to the store and and you occupied him with a with a really neat toy. It's like, we're going to be talking to Kirk, but here's a Sheldon for you. I'll never forget the day. Seriously, have you ever covered the signing or arrival of a bigger free agent or draft pick? Absolutely ordinarily the entire building is electric, right? Yeah. Yep. And Egan was that day, except I'll never forget how ambivalent, if that's the right word, Mike was. Mike was just like, "Okay, cool, he's here." And it was, it was the weirdest thing because it was as if the entire organization on this enormous day, the head coach was like, well, this is cool. This is fine. I'm going to go play with my defense now.
1: Yeah. This guy is probably the best option for us, and he's terrific in the bootlegs. Is what he yeah, said. Yeah, I mean, but, but have you ever giving covered, a, you you ever him covered a head coach who seemed that ambivalent towards what amounted to an enormous day in franchise right. history? A, a lot of times, if you were signing a quarterback to the biggest quarterback contract in history or anything like that, I mean, the only thing you could equate it to is bringing Jimmy Butler here, where everyone, as you said, would be giddy, would be all smiles, and Zimmer seemed pretty nervous about it. And I could see why, because when you're signing someone to that big of a contract, you're putting your life in your hands here. Not only do you know, if it fails, we're all fired. So you know that right off the bat, because they've given you the quarterback that you supposedly needed. But also, you know that a day is going to come that you can't afford to keep people. And that day is now. You cannot afford to keep Anthony Harris. It
0: was actually last year. It just didn't get
1: acknowledged they, correctly. And they still and they made it work. And there were mistakes made last year, I think, by bringing back Barr and not using him to get a bunch of sacks. And also probably, I mean, bringing back Griffin made sense, and he played really well for a large portion of the year. But Rhodes, we talked about all last summer. This isn't good. You and I stood there on the sideline at minicamp going, this is going to be a bad season for Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And then it was. So if we could see that coming, they should have seen it coming too. They should have spent on a left guard. But that felt like very much a Zimmer's going to bang on the table for this guy and say, we got to make sure we keep him. He's my guy. I developed him. He could still do it. I'll just scheme. We'll just teach him technique and all these things. And there's no technique or scheme that is going to make up for not being able to run anymore, right which is where we were um with Xavier Rhodes last year, so you don't want to make the same mistakes this year. You don't want to spend to bring guys back or overspend on free agents, which sometimes can blow up in your face if you're trying to overpay to win some bidding war for a defensive player, and you definitely should be able to get yourself to be a competitive defense with the talent that you have now. You think about who they have left. Mm -hmm. In a way, we've acted like, oh, they're going to drop down to the worst defense in the league because they've lost this guy or that guy. Harrison Smith is still a top-three safety in the NFL. Daniil Hunter is a top-five pass rusher. Eric Kendricks might be the best linebacker at football now that Luke Kuechly is retired. You should be able to replace some of the other positions and still have a good defense. And... and 2020 should f- finally be the year that Anthony Barr gets a
0: bunch of sacks. Right, right. It's possible. Right. It could, this can work. I know it can. Yep. We've talked about this for too long. He's, it's, this is no, our criticism of Barr and his return to me never had a thing to do with him personally. Like, he's not that good a player. He is a really good player. But the amazing, I, I think, Matthew, the most remarkable statistic or, or snapshot of the 2019 Vikings. Might be that Anthony Barr recorded his first and only full sack on the first play from scrimmage of the yes. season. Yep. Think about that for a second. Yep. He got to Matt Ryan, and I looked at you in the press box. We're like, whoa, okay. He had one and a half sacks, if I'm not mistaken. He had a half sack for the rest of the season. That's right. But then think about um, that. This is, and this is no indictment of him as a player. But when you're talking about well, I got to bring Griffin back too. How about you scheme it up? And by the way, you got Dom Capers now, who knows how to use linebackers and three fours perfectly. How about you use Anthony Barr and Hunter and
1: a variety of other ideas yep. to uh, mix things up and find Adenibo, who yes. Zimmer said at the combine he believes is a starter. And if you mix in edge rushing from three four looks. Uh, With Dom Capers here and Afadi Adenabo, you can make up for Griffin. Uh, Now, I'm not entirely against bringing back Griffin, but if you were going to tell me, here's your two options. You could spend $12 or $8 or whatever it's going to be, to bring back Griffin. I think it's going to be a lot. There is a ton of interest in edge rushers. If you're the New York Jets right now and you have cap space to spend, you call Everson Griffin and you say, look, I know your friend Anthony Barr didn't want to come here last year. And I know they want you back in Minnesota. Do you say friend like that? We will give you. Just dripping with sarcasm and anger? I don't know how close they are. Your friend. Yeah, I'm sure. Who turned on us. I'm sure they're salty, yes. But they got Trevor Simeon there, so they're fine. Um, and, And you say, how's 14 mil? How's 12 mil guaranteed for next year? We are desperate to win some games. Adam Gase knows it's all over for him if they don't win some games this year. Their defense has Jamal Adams, one of the most exciting young players in the NFL, but no one cares because they can't rush the passer for anything. If you're them, that's maybe an option for you. So Everson could leave, and if I'm the Vikings, I have to say... Let's just make that up and spend on the offensive side. But this was the same story we had last offseason where I was saying and you were saying a lot of the same things, and it seemed like Mike won out, that he got to keep everybody. Right. He got to keep Lindvall. He got to keep Rhodes. He got to keep uh, Everson Griffin. Right. And how did it turn out? Well, you know, they were a pretty good defense, and they were a good offense, but if they had spent that money on Golden Tate, if they had spent that money on a left a better left guard than Pat Elfline, Could they have pushed for a top-five offense? Could they have had a better shot in San Francisco? Probably because those players, aside from Griffin, didn't give you anything more than your average free agent would give you, or much worse in the case of Xavier Rhodes. So what I wonder is, Mm -hmm. when Mike makes that little jab at Rick Spielman, One thing I know about Rick Spielman is that he loves analytics. And that front office wants to be very progressive when it comes to applying the data to the draft. And I also know that there's some stuff that's going on behind the scenes with analytics, with these teams in the draft, that is really exciting. And for them to have a head coach who makes fun of it, and doesn't want to use it, and is still mad about an email from the analytics department from two years ago about this situation that he's bringing up at the podium, I think this just sort of screams conflict here. okay? Because the front office should be wanting one thing, and they should be saying, Mike, you figure it out on defense. We're going to give you some cheap free agents that our analytics department likes, and that's what you have to work with. Sorry. So Rick's
0: whole uh, progressive in football thing, Theories go back to. I remember when I was working with Seifert at the Star Tribune, this is circa 2005 or six. Seifert went and sat down with Rick as Rick was prepping for the draft. And I kid you not, Rick had these had these um, number sequences on players where he would like grade them to the 1000th degree. Like he, he would say, This guy's great. is 5.1753. And it was way beyond at that time the norm. So Rick has been buying into. Yep. And at times we and they've say. they've
1: gotten way better since then. Exactly. A thousand times. And at
0: times we then. say that it seems to be Rick trying to be too smart for Rick's own good. But I do think that there is a genuine thirst for knowledge there. Here's the other question. Because I think a lot of these things, the soundbite that we played, and, and I've got a question for you about something that Mike said at, at the Combine, goes to, and this is weird because Mike can be very frontal, goes to what I've come to call passive aggressive Mike. Mm hmm. Um, which includes that soundbite, which is sort of passive-aggressive of, ah, they can do what they want, I do what I want, and I get fired if I don't do it. And the other thing that I find intriguing was his comment about Griffin last week, where he basically went up to the podium or talked to you guys, I'm not sure which session, and said, Everson, oh, yeah. Everson's coming back as if to almost put pressure on the team and Griffin. Of, of course you're coming back, right? When the answer might be no. And... To me, that that was passive aggressive towards both sides of saying I want him back, and my end game to get him back is to pressure both sides it, when they might be saying to Mike, Mike, we can't do this. Sorry. Now, my last point is this: off of Rick and Mike's relationship, and if a third party might actually involve him himself, unless you know that this has changed, Matthew. When Rick got the GM job, and Frazier was um, not demoted, but had was stripped of decision making. Authority After the 3-13-2011 season, my understanding was the 53-man roster fell to Rick. And it's been clear, as you've said time and time again, the last few years, it's really been Mike. Could this be the time that somebody comes to Rick and says, Rick, you're the GM of this team. So that doesn't mean Mike can't be the coach of this team. I don't know if they're going to extend him or not, but the 53-man roster is yours. And it's high time that you invoke that power So when Mike says, I got to have this guy back, you say, Mike,
1: Everson Griffin's not coming back. I'm sorry. That's what I want to know. I don't know who makes final calls. I think it's the general manager, but I've also been told directly by the general manager in an interview I did with him in 2017 that you remember the old uh, grocery list and go get the groceries comparison from Bill Parcells Mm -hmm. that Zimmer makes the grocery list and the front office, goes out and gets it now whether they're willing to stand up and say, "Mike, we get it, but a nose tackle should cost us 2 million dollars, not 12 or not 8 on a restructure. We can't keep a nose tackle that's this expensive. Mike, you can't scheme Xavier Rhodes's legs to work. You just can't. Trey Wayans isn't that good. You can't pay him 15 million dollars. He seems to be on board with the Anthony Harris thing, which Which he made clear, though. Again, it was on his terms. Right, exactly. Exactly. It it
0: was never like, well, we're going to lose him, and I hate to lose him. It was basically like, I can find safeties. He's
1: basically telling you what's a pain in his rear end and what's not. Yeah, and so if you go into the first round, the bottom of the first. Now, he also said we have to protect for Kirk Cousins better. And in order to keep him playing at a high level and even take him to the next level... we have to protect him better. And that's 100% true. All the numbers match up with that. They were one of the worst blocking teams in the league past blocking last year. But does that mean, Mike, that you can draft Josh Jones or that you could draft Andrew Thomas if he falls as opposed to C.J. Henderson, who's a cornerback from Florida, or as opposed to Trayvon Diggs, who is a, a great cornerback prospect from Alabama? If that comes You know, push comes to shove at 25. Here's a really good tackle who fell because some of these other tackles shot up the draft board with great combines. Here's a top cornerback who hasn't been taken yet and is projected mid first round, late first round. Is Mike going to be okay with them saying we really need to protect our quarterback because quarterback performance is the thing that's going to directly take us to the Super Bowl much more than corner even though corner is very valuable it's nothing is as valuable as how your quarterback plays and a tackle can enhance that uh, a lot more than a rookie corner could enhance your pass coverage i don't know but i think we're going to learn we're really going to learn where the power lies by the end of all this when we get to june and we were you know OTAs are over and that sort of thing, and we really can look at the roster going into training camp, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a pretty strong feeling of was there a power struggle, who won the power struggle, all those things. Uh, Because I think if you're the front office, you want to give Gary and Kirk as much as you can to make this work. Does
0: Mike winning the power struggle right now make sense, though? With where football is going, with where the game is going, with where the -the off-the-field philosophies are going, it just seems to me, and this is not to say that Mike is not a good coach, and this is not to say that Mike shouldn't coach this team, but if you look at where the sport is evolving to, does it really make sense? I feel like he has run things back his way. And by the way, not fallen completely flat. No, not at all. But I feel like he's been allowed to run things back, and we've sort of reached the ceiling of where that goes. So does it make sense to say, well, let's have him run things back again? Or is this where if Rick if Rick has the power that we both believe Rick has, it is time for Rick to step in and say, Mike, two thousand twenty, you're my coach, but hey, we're gonna have to play by my rules too.
1: I think it does. And I wonder even about the change in president of the team. I don't know how much that might impact something, but a president of a new president of the team that comes from Toronto a very, very progressive organization that was huge into analytics. A baseball guy, exactly. I just wonder how it sits with people when Mike goes up to the podium and says, oh, this analytics department tells me I got to do something. I ain't doing that. Well, I <laughs> you can't, know, I that's just, what I'm saying. It though, just can't sit well with a lot 10 of people, years ago, even if it comes off as kind of you know joking 10 around. Ten years ago,
0: I think it works. Yeah. Because we're all like, oh, analytics stink. Yeah. They don't know, right? But it's 2020. Yeah, and, and more and more teams are doing this. And, and also, what does it say that he got away, but we all know that internally Kevin Stefanski was thought highly of, and part very of the reason was his background in being willing to use analytics. So how much do we need to also weigh in that a guy that they probably at one time were thinking about as being their head coach who walked out that door
1: sort of fit into exactly what they appreciated? And Mike, he borderlines or makes fun of it. I came back from the combine with the sense that if Mike continues to be exactly the way that he is, he might have some some tough times with people within the organization. And and it, it doesn't just pertain to analytics, some other things too. And I also got the understanding that Gary Kubiak is really helping sort of smooth things over in some ways that everyone really loves Gary Kubiak and even allowing one coach to get out of his contract to go somewhere else was sort of a Kubiak thing that Zimmer had not done that in the past and Kubiak wanted to allow this person out. So I don't know how that relationship is playing into it too. How much power does Gary have over what they do in the draft? Does Gary have a say? Would it be him in a meeting room saying, Mike, if we don't have a left tackle that could protect our quarterback, we aren't going to go to the Super Bowl. If you don't have a perfect corner, let's say you have Holton Hill starting there or some rookie starting there, we can figure out ways to cover up for that and still end up with a decent defense like they did last year, fifth in points, even though they had some shortcomings. But if we don't protect Kirk, we're not going anywhere because Nick Bosa is just going to eat us alive like he did in the divisional game in San Francisco. So I think we're going to learn as we go forward a lot more. And I, I came away with thinking that Zimmer might get an extension for a couple years, but that doesn't alleviate the pressure that is on him and also the potential for some conflict as we go into free agency and... The draft. And I heard that he
0: might not which means that there are for sure differing philosophies. That you bring up the one thing that I think is, is sort of the X factor in our entire conversation and it's a complete unknown. The new COO who took o- over in August and those guys are usually lots of times pretty smart and so they'll hang way back and observe and we'll forget about them. But after six months or eight months, lots of times they will come out and be like, you know what, I got some thoughts here. And they'll go to the Wilfs. And the Wilfs didn't hire nor pay that guy to not be heard. Mm -hmm. So I would be very, very curious. And knowing Rick, Rick's going to do a very good job of ingratiating himself with the new guy. And so now the question is, is Mike going to, too? And I don't see Mike being that guy. But it will be. Kevin Warren in that job always struck me, Matthew, as a guy who basically thought that he could run a football team personnel-wise. I don't think the new guy is like that, but I think to say that the new guy doesn't have thoughts about this and definite views on how the operation should work would be a mistake. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And coming from the organization that he came from, I just have a tough time seeing him saying, yeah, let's run the ball and play defense, because that's not what the Toronto Blue Jays were about. The Toronto Blue Jays were about being as progressive as you could possibly be. And that worked for them pretty well for a couple of years there. And then, of course, they fell off and have to rebuild it as well. But I just know that from um, even when I was in Buffalo, when Toronto was really good and I used to listen to their radio stations all the time and they would interview executives and things like that. They were very much about being at the forefront of these things, not being way behind and saying we still need to bunt, which essentially saying we need to run the ball more is saying we need to bunt more a, a lot of times. Right. And I would give the ball to Delvin Cook too, but I probably wouldn't hand it off on second and 10 to him because it's just not an efficient play. So just using that for example. Let's take a break. We come back. Judd and I are going to look at some of the rumors that are out there. Mike Sando had a cool piece uh, placing Teddy with a specific team. And also there's some news on what Jacksonville will do with their quarterback situation. This even throws another name into the mix. We'll talk about it when we return. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Score North has a brand new golf show 10,000 Swings with Brad Cole and David Said Two golf geeks breaking down the latest In golf culture around Minnesota And the latest stories from the PGA Tour Find 10,000 Swings at 7pm on Mondays On Score North on AM 1500 Or on demand on Apple, Spotify Or the Score North mobile app Pop
0: quiz, what can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte But for less than the cost of a cup of coffee You can get all your favorite music ad-free while other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash
1: best for details.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar,